I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes, made with only two ingredients, 99.9% purified water and a drop of fruit extract. From fertility to birth to taking care of ourselves, here we talk to women about their own unique experiences of motherhood. The insane joy and the anxious defeat, the love, the laughs, the tears, and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2021, including Best Baby Wipes, water wipes are proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, making them ideal to help protect and gently cleanse sensitive skin. As the number one baby wipe in Ireland, together we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Grammy-nominated multi-platinum singer, songwriter, artist, producer, Ruth Ann. But away from the studio, where Ruth Ann has written songs for people like Britney Spears, John Legend, Niall Horan, she is a courageous endometriosis warrior and a mother to her six-month-old rainbow baby girl, Lily Mae. This episode discusses Ruth Ann's loss before Lily Mae was born, and so kindly comes with a trigger warning. After coming off birth control at 30, Ruth Ann developed a debilitating 24-7 pain. It took two years for a diagnosis, treatment, a much-wanted conception, and then sadly a miscarriage. Here we talk about the impact of this loss, the trauma physically and emotionally, how music can heal, and how love and fear were equal parts of life until Lily May's safe arrival into the world brought back the light. This is a brave, raw, honest and powerful episode that speaks about the soul of a mother. Ruth Ann, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum, the podcast. It is such a beautiful sunny day outside today, which is rare for this summer. It has been so miserable. And you have timed this well with the juggle. So little Lily Mae is down for her nap. So we're going to just fire ahead with this one. <laughs> yes, we hope she stays in her nap. <laughs> she might make an appearance. Oh, she's more than welcome. Seven months in, talk to me. How is it going for you? Is it everything that you imagined? Where is your head at? So we're seven months in. I think the first three months, it's kind of like just chaos, like amazing chaos. Mm. You know, you have days where it's, you know, you just don't really know what you're doing at the start. And I feel like seven months in, we've really kind of sunk into your routine. I feel like I know her very well now. Like at the start, I kept being like, how do I know what her cries mean? That was my main thing of like, what's a hunger cry? What's the, you know, the gas cry. And now I feel like I really know her very well with what she's trying to signal to me and which makes it so much easier. We're on, she's on food now. And so, yeah, I feel like we're really settling into a really good routine and she's in an amazing zone where she's just so smiley and happy. Um, which is so nice because you start I think in those first few months you're kind of like can I get anything back and then now we're starting to 
really get smiles and laughs and that just is like so magical so it's it's just yeah it's crazy it's the it's a whirlwind being like a first time mom it's such a gorgeous phase when they're they're the feedback changes from only crying to yeah. little personalities and they're not moving yet either so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really lovely window where they could be really expressive without trying to like you know launch themselves off really dangerous high objects um. exactly <laughs> but although she is very close to crawling I would say and um, she's kind of almost trying to do flips like she's trying to she can move backwards and she can move herself around in a circle she's just and then she's trying to put her legs up to do the uh, the crawl but she's so we're like oh my god we need to enjoy this time where she wasn't moving because I feel like she's any day now although she's only seven months but I feel like any day now I feel like she's gonna just hop up and crawl <laughs> I don't know so we're getting ready for that we of course know you so well because of your amazing voice, your amazing talent and your love for creating music that we love. Do you, and I know this for, because I've, you know, if you see your Instagram music, singing to her, seeing her little expressions, sometimes yeah. good, sometimes bad. <laughs> yes, she was crying today when I was singing. It was lovely. <laughs> but how has music helped you reclaim that part of you? Or actually not reclaim, but cling on to that part of you. Well, music is every, you know, anyone who knows me, um, like I'm not just a musician by job. I, I like music is my everything. It's what cheers me up. It's what gets me through bad days. It's what gets me through good days. It's like everything is a soundtrack to a memory or an event. Like every song, I have so many favorite albums, but I'm just, I'm like obsessed with music. I always have been. Um, and so it was very important to me to keep that in in my life as what you know what I do and what makes me happy, but also to have Lily it, introduce it to Lily May. So music is a big part of her life as well. Like all when um, she was in the womb with me, I did so I did some gigs. So I I recorded so she and I could feel her kicking, and I already feel like she has an amazing connection to music because we have certain songs that we use for to signal nap times or bedtimes and wind her down or in the car and they immediately calm her down or they immediately get her attention songs do and she's really into it she loves any toys with sound so and it's just something that I can do with her I can sing to her you know so like when she's in the jolly jumper which is that jumper thing I sing to her and we put music on and she's dancing and I'm singing so it's my way of like practicing <laughs> while I've got the baby um, but also it's important for me to, I've still been writing uh, songs while I've had, her, I, I, I've written some while I've been breastfeeding. And um, I find that there's a whole new inspiration that comes with being a mom because it's a huge life change. And it, that's been really helpful for the days when I'm kind of figuring out how to be a mom. And then I'm writing about that. It's like, it's almost like a, you know, a therapy session of being a mom. So it's just, it's just important to keep the music everywhere in my life. It's such a heart kind of transplant. <laughs> and yeah. Like I'd imagine if, you know, I, I, I literally do not have a musical bone in my body, despite the fact that I find music like a language. It, it talks yeah. to me and it speaks to me. And, and I love using music for my children because it's a way of shifting the mood. It's brilliant when they're that old, little bit older and they're in tantrums or they're just upset about something. And you, you know, you put on something fun and you start dancing around the kitchen and it just elevates every emotion and everyone yes. just feels good again. It's just so yeah. important. 
so it's so powerful music but also to be able I would love to have that talent that to be able to write down and write something when you're you know as you said in those moments of kind of calm when you're holding your baby and you're just you know in that serenity and let it flow the only thing I can think of is just you know writing an Instagram post or something that makes you really think about where your life is at and the power of what you're holding yeah definitely and I was writing I was playing I started learning the ukulele while she was in my tummy because I felt like it was a easy instrument to learn and it was a nice instrument to have by her and so I would sing to her my whole pregnancy and and writing songs about her before even meeting her you know about like what was coming and you know and now that she's here I still when when we play the ukulele she just instantly it's like she knows it because she's like, oh, you you did. I recognize this. And it's crazy how babies can just be so in tune with stuff like that and how it really can get into their systems from even when they're in your womb and rhythm and everything like that. And I just uh, I hope that she I don't I don't think she needs to be a musician or anything, but I just hope she has a love of music. And um, because it's gotten me and Ollie, my husband is uh, is a musician as well. It's got us through such hard times, music. And it's such a great thing to have around the house. And my parents always sang to me. I mean, music was a huge part of me as a baby and growing up. And um, I just think it's a really cool tool to have in the household. <laughs> and in the labour ward? Yes, in the labour ward. My labour, it's like people are like, was that really what you did the whole labour? I'm like, yes, I bounced on a ball. And we sang, we did Bruno Mars, we had Silk Sonic on, we had John Mayer on, Ed Sheeran, we had uh, Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World on. We were jamming. At one point, the midwives came in and was like, this is the funnest labor room I've ever been in because we were having afternoon tea and, and I was having contractions and we were just jamming to songs that we loved. You need to do a birthing playlist. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did one. Did so you? I have, yeah, and I've given it to some of my friends for their labors. And we did one because I knew, because I was like, okay, what will get me through this? Yeah. It's going to be music because music distracts me. Like if I'm listening to a song and I'm like, oh, that's an amazing riff or that's an amazing drum solo. I forget whatever pain I'm in or whatever is happening now. I didn't fully forget the pain. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it definitely was an amazing, uh, amazing thing to have in our room for labor. It made it very calming and beautiful and fun. Oh, you need to share a link to Spotify for that. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. We need, I think there are birthing mums currently in desperate need of that soundtrack. But it is, it's just all about the distraction and, and the releasing of good hormones as well. You know, if you, yeah. if you let your mind take over, it's easy to get afraid and it's easy for that fear to start bubbling up. And once that gets kicking, like you can't, it's really hard to switch those hormones off. So I love yeah. using music, anything, whatever it is that just makes you feel like, you know, powerful and energized. Happy, and yeah, happy. positive. Yeah, 100%. It definitely was, it was the main thing, you know, when you do like your birth, I didn't really do one because I was like, I just want safe, safe, just get her here safely. I wasn't fussy about anything other than we need a speaker and we need music because that's just something that I knew I would need to just keep me calm. But other than that, I was like, let's just get her here safely. Do, let's do whatever is needed to do to get her here safe. That was my plan, <laughs> my birthing plan. Was motherhood always part of your goal, of the agenda of what's kind of coming next? Was it you absolutely know, in your eyes, mind of like this is what you want? You want? Yeah, next I for think. Yourself? I think that a lot of people, when you are, you know, quote unquote, 
you know, successful at what you do. And people think that you just want more success. You know, Mm. people think you just, you're just, you know, but for me, I've always been my, my version of success is making a family. Cause I think making a family, finding a husband, having a, you know, having a relationship that works where you, where you, where you have a family, that to me is, is, is success. And is, is finding that and making that because it's the hardest job in the world uh, to, you know, relationships are hard work. Having a baby is the hardest job, you know, you'll ever, I've ever done. And the most, most rewarding job at the hardest job. And so I feel like I always was like, well, what I do, I don't really see it as like, oh, I'm a successful writer, singer, or whatever. I, I always was striving for this. This is what I was really my goal, which I think surprised a lot of people. But my, my goal was always to do what I love as a career and to do what I love. And, and I'm very lucky to do that. But like, I really wanted, wanted to have a family, have a husband, have a family. That's really what success is to me and what I wanted. And so, yeah, it's always been in the plan for me. At what point did you start to fear that maybe there might be something wrong with, you know, so you've spoken about that you've had endometriosis. Yeah. So when did that sort of kick in? Well, in my, in my twenties, I never really thought like, you know, oh, I need to have a baby now or anything. I never had met a guy that I was, you know, I hadn't met the one yet. So I wasn't like, I was very focused on my career then. I just knew what I wanted in my future, but I didn't really think about it. You don't, when, you know, you know, you don't really think about it. So I was just, you know, going along doing my career, da, da, da. And it wasn't until I started having chronic pain 24 hours a day for like a year and a half to two years and getting to the bottom of what that pain was um, and my health and realizing, you know, my mental health was deteriorating. My physical health was deteriorating. I was collapsing in gyms. I was, you know, I was just barely able to walk some days and get out of the bed. And then when I discovered after the two years that it was endometriosis and it was the, 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 the craziest form, the stage four uh, deep infiltrating endometriosis. And I had surgery and I almost lost my bowel. And, and when I had the follow-up to the surgery, the surgeon said to me, uh, so you have endometriosis and we got, we, we, we did the wide excision surgery for that. Um, but you also, we have a high suspicion that you have adenomyosis, which is a sister to endometriosis, which is inside the uterus. Now inside the uterus means that it can only be diagnosed when you take the uterus out, but then when you take the uterus out, you can't have children. So it was kind of like, he was like, okay, don't worry about it. Don't stress, but you may have issues carrying a child. And that was like, already having endometriosis was like, oh God, is this going to affect my fertility? And then to find out that it was kind of like, whoa. So, you know, I was 30, what was I, 33 or 34? And I was like, wow, I've never heard these words before. Why don't I know about this? Why, why, why don't more people, I mean, now I feel like it's a lot coming to the forefront, but like no one has heard these words. You don't hear them in school. You're not educated about menstrual health. It was just crazy to me. I was like, this could affect my fertility. This could mean I can't carry a child what it was it was a huge uh hard time um but (laughs) obviously I have carried a child um but I did have a miscarriage before Lily May which was incredibly traumatic and probably the toughest time in my entire life um and so yeah it's it's been I I think everyone has their own fertility journey and mine has been a bit intense at times um, and I feel like every woman goes through this at some point. 
um, the, the fertility journey. And it's just eye opening to kind of find out all these things that you didn't know could be going on inside your body. And for me, that was the toughest thing. It's like, I actually didn't know what, that this, I had this horrendous disease inside my body for years, um, you know, that was causing me all this pain. So because they think I had it long before that, but I was, I was, uh, I was taking the contraceptive pill, which suppresses endometriosis. So you don't know it's there. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I stopped taking the pill that I got the pain, which then led to my diagnosis and surgery. But, um, I'm just glad that sitting here today, I've been able to carry a child, but it wasn't without its, you know, hard, hard times. And, and we went through a terrible miscarriage as well. We've covered miscarriage on this podcast with a number of incredibly strong women and it never not helps. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only way I can put it. It never not helps. And it's a really hard thing to talk about. Yeah. And it's sadly a truth of motherhood for too many, for too many women. So many women. Yeah. But every time it is spoken about, there is just this outpouring of, I needed to hear this. I needed to hear this. I needed to. Hear yeah, this. I don't I don't know why. I don't know why it's such a, you know, when I had mine, then I started finding out about some of my friends. I'm like, why did you never tell me that this happened to you? Like, you know, I don't know why as women we find it. I mean, obviously, it's very devastating to talk about. Um, but I don't know why there's such a, I don't know, stigma around. I mean, I, I, again, I feel like that's starting to break down as well. Um, and when you talk about it, 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 it just helps. It helps because everyone you talk about it knows somebody or is somebody that's gone through it. So that you know exactly, they know exactly how you feel and they understand what to say and what not to say. And so it's just really healing. I found it really healing when I found out that it happened to other people because when it happened to me, Mine was very physical and I was in hospital. I, I ended up in the emergency room and I, I ended up having to have a blood transfusion actually because I lost so much blood and it was a bit touch and go for a second. And um, so mine was very physically traumatic and I had no idea that that could happen. I was like, wait, what? What's ha-? like, you know, I had no idea that I could, you know, potentially die. I, I was so naive to the physical aspect of it because I realized that I'd never really heard anyone talk about what actually happens physically to you Mm. Um, and then the emotional side of it was you know it's a whole load of baggage that you never really recover from the emotional side of it and anything can trigger you at any point there's certain songs I remember when I was on the way to the emergency room the radio was on and there was a certain song playing and I said turn off that song because every time I hear it I'm going to think of this moment because I knew I was losing my baby and so you know it's like it's it's crazy the emotional side of it and I remember like you know uh, actually was only a few months ago I had to bring Lily May to the doctor to the hospital for a blood test and they walked me through the emergency room and I burst into tears and they were like it's okay your baby's okay and I said no 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 I know she's fine I'm not crying because of that but inside I had a very physical reaction to being back I hadn't been back in that emergency room and I had a crazy physical reaction to it so it's insane what you go through as a woman when that happens to you and I don't think you ever fully recover from it. I think you, it's inside you, very deep, buried, very deep inside you for your whole life. And I think we underestimate that. Like we, we create a human, a human is, you know, being, yeah. whether it reaches that, those nine months safely or not, once that heart beats inside us, it's part of us forever. Yeah. 
absolutely. But I did hear a beautiful thing that Mylene Class said that um, they've discovered that the cells uh, of the babies that didn't didn't make it they actually live in you mm-hmm. and they actually help your body fix whatever needed to be fixed for the next baby. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that because Lily May to me, like she, we, we conceived very quickly after it was like, it was my first six weeks. I was my first cycle and I was doing acupuncture and I was meditating and I was eating clean. And I, I just was like, I want to do everything I can not to have a baby, to make mm-hmm. myself feel better, to make myself, to have my body in the best condition for me. And I was doing that and it, and it happened very quickly for us, which you weren't expecting, but I fully, Lily May is such a strong girl already that I'm like, you, this is, uh, this is our little one who's in heaven helped you out big time here. So I think that it's a beautiful way to, you know, know that you're, that baby lived in you and the cells help with the next one or, or, or they help fix your body and help you get ready for maybe what's to come or, or whatever. So I think it's a lovely way to, to, to have it in your mind. And whether they're in the world or not, they'll always be within us. A hundred percent. I have a locket that I wear and never take it off. And it says little one on it. It's a heart locket and I wear it every day and I touch it. And all you always notice is I touch it whenever I feel anxious, stressed, emotional. I just sit and I just rub it. And it's me, you know, with my, with my first, with my firstborn that unfortunately didn't make it here, but is, is here with me always. Were you afraid when you found out that you were pregnant again? Oh, I was, it was, I would say that it definitely made my, my, my second pregnancy very, very tough. I was, oh my God, I was Googling every food. I mean, my number one line in a restaurant was, is that pasteurized? Is that pregnancy safe? I took absolutely no risks. I, you know, was afraid to do anything, which is sad when I think back to it, Mm. but I was just so anxious. And I had an, I had a bleed early on in the pregnancy with Lily Mae. Um, that we thought we were losing our child and I actually was uh had released a song that day and I was on the way to the uh to the to the hospital to get a scan because I was bleeding and I had a, a, a number called and it was it was I think it was 98 FM live and it was like hey how's your new single and I was like holding back tears you know thinking I was losing another baby but when we got there uh, the bleeding had stopped and it turned out it was something something else so everything was fine but I immediately thought we're losing another one and I can't even imagine what it's like because I know a lot of women who are listening now probably have lost more than one and uh and I, ca- I can't even imagine the pain of not go- of going through it once but then going through it a few times and that could happen to me again when when we go again and unfortunately it's just a, a horrific part of fertility um I know women as well who've had you know their first three pregnancies all go great and then they have the miscarriage on the fourth and it hits them massive by surprise because they're like oh we've done this you know and that just shows how common it is because it's not I think is it one in every four pregnancies not one in every four women it's one in every four pregnancies so it's insanely common and that's why it's important to talk about it and important that it is you know, acknowledged and talked about and empathized with and understood and never brushed off because it is a huge, massively life-changing traumatic event for any woman to go through. Um, and it lives with you for, it lives in your heart forever. 
even now talking about it, I have tears in my eyes, but like, you know, cause it's just, I just, it's just such a traumatic thing to go through um, and it never leaves you. So it's just so important that we talk about it and that we um, give a voice to it and that we support everybody that's going through it. That's gone through it. It impacts our partners as well. How did it feel given, as you said there, you had such a massive bleed, your life was at risk. Yeah. That's a traumatic moment for the partner in your life who loves you so much. Yeah. And it was, so our, this is a bit crazy, but it was during COVID. Um, So we had gone to the emergency room because I had had a bleed and they had sent me home. And we, and Ollie had been with me there. And when it started happening, then on actually on the way home, we had to, we stopped at the, stopped at home to check. And then it was getting really bad. And we went back to the emergency room. And when we went back, they shouted at Ollie to get out because of COVID. They were like, you can't be in here. And I was at this point, I was fully bleeding on the floor, on the chair. They were sitting me down and I was bleeding everywhere through my clothes, all on the floor. And I was Ollie said I was just turning my face was turning a different color I was vomiting and they were more concerned about him not being Mm. there because of COVID like you need to get out and and he was like but we just we were had just been there for two hours Mm. with him there so he said I'm not leaving until you get a doctor and so you know look at her you know and so and that was very traumatic for him and for me just you know that process then the nurse let him stay for a second but then he was he had to leave. So for three days, um, I had to FaceTime him. So he, they told him to go get a bag for me. Um, and I was vomiting and obviously he could see I was, you know, very badly bleeding. And they said, you can't go through with her, but you go get a bag for her and you can drop it at reception. And so he stayed in the car park for, it was 2am. He dropped the bag off and he said, I'm staying in the car park. And I had to FaceTime him to tell him that I'd lost our baby over FaceTime. That was, probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do and not have a hug from someone and just having doctors like you know dealing with me but not knowing them and yeah seeing the scan machine on my own with no one there to hold my hand that was really hard and really hard for him because he really thought I was he was very petrified I was gonna die um he'd never seen that <laughs> so he was in the parking lot and I, and I had to tell him on FaceTime. And then for the next three days, I wasn't allowed to have anyone visit me. So I was just alone uh, in the hospital, like going through this miscarriage. And then they left me until I had a pot. They had to get a COVID test then, which took a day to get the results. I was meant to be taken down for surgery. I was losing more blood. They just left me bleeding. Um, and yeah, I did, until they got a negative COVID test. Um, and, again, and then I went through something very traumatic on the bed of kind of, I think, you know, going through whatever was happening. Mm. And then finally, on the second night, uh, I rang my sister, who's a nurse, and I, she was like, you look very, I think my face was almost purple. She's like, have they checked your bloods yet? And then they came in, checked my bloods. And then it was like, oh, my God, emergency. We need to take you down right now. So it was traumatic for a lot of, a lot of different reasons. And I think for Ollie, I had FaceTimed him again and he was like, you don't look well. And then I had to, they were like, we're bringing her down for emergency transfusion and DNC surgery. And so I think for him, him not being able to be there was very traumatic for him. And like the thought that something could happen to me and he couldn't be there. So yeah, it was that all added. And I'm sure anyone who went through this in COVID understands that all added to the layers of like, you know, 
us both being alone, not knowing what was going to happen and losing our baby at the same time. It takes a lot to heal from that. Yeah. To come come through that and to be like, to, to process it because there's, there's a lot of layers going on. There's, you know, you wanting deeply to have him with you, him desperately afraid for you and you both in total grief. And, and we both couldn't do anything. That was, yeah. that was, we were both powerless, so completely powerless. And with men, I feel like they want to fix, they want to help, they want to do. And Ollie is definitely like that. And for him, it was like sitting at home. He obviously couldn't sleep, you know, not being able to do anything, not being able to see me, to hug me, to hold me, to just have to watch me, you know, cry on FaceTime, you know, bleeding out and no one helping me and I think that that was tough for him um and I think that when I remember when we got pregnant again and the look of fear in his eyes his um, like it wasn't that he wasn't excited but it, it was an initial like oh my god you know we're pregnant again but then I saw this fear in his eyes and there was fear in my eyes and we both were very fearful and because he didn't want me to go through that again or potentially to lose me and lose and lose a lose a child and lose me, um, and I think I remember him saying he had a lot of uh, nightmares leading up to the to the birth of Lily May about me, um, and I think that was from what had happened before. So yeah, it's it's trauma, isn't it? And it it, it takes a massive amount of healing. But I would say Lily May coming along and our, and and being our rainbow baby definitely has helped, you know with the healing because she's here and we were able to see the light we saw the darkness but then she like was the light that came into our lives what was it like the moment that you could first hold her oh my god it was just like because I think when you're pregnant I don't know if anyone else feels this way but you're kind of like the baby's there and then you're like oh my god I have to get this baby out of me like you don't know what it's like you've never been in labor like you know what I mean you're a bit like how is this going to happen and it's all so unknown you're freaking out about like your contractions how will I know when I'm in labor will I know like what's it and then all of a sudden you go through you're like a warrior who's just screaming and panting and breathing and pushing to 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 bring this baby out and then when they're out there's just this release of like oh my god like this baby that I've been dreaming about for nine months inside me and for my whole life is now on my skin it was so amazing it was magical it was yeah it was it's just a feeling like you can't describe and for me it was like instant I felt an instant connection and an instant bond with her um, and I just felt like that's my girl. That's your girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like for the first time in a long time, you could just breathe and be like, she's here. That there's, we can. Yeah. I don't think a, a parent ever relaxes, but you know, just because you were saying yeah. at the beginning there, you know, that you were like, I just want her here safe. Oh yeah, that was a huge, I mean, even when we got to like 30 weeks or 30, I still was like, is this really going to happen? Is she really going to be here because of what I'd gone through? I just, in a way was like, so I didn't really, 
even prepare for actually what was going to happen when she got here because I was just preparing I was just keeping myself like healthy like safe like not taking any risk to get her here and then I, when she was here it was like I totally relaxed because I was like oh my god she's here and then a whole new wave like a few days after the initial she's here and she's safe a whole new panic setting of like oh my god like she's actually here like I'm actually your mom like we're doing this so then it kind of like and even still even like the other day, Ollie was looking at it and goes, we have a baby. And I'm like, yeah, we have a baby. Like, I feel like you still in the first, you know, six months, you still sometimes like, I can't believe we have a baby. Like she's here, you know, she's smiling at us. It's yeah. You kind of have moments of total relaxation and then panic. And you know what it is? It's whenever they do something new. It's like the first time they're sick, the first, you know, the first temperature, high temperature, the first, there's always bits of panic, but I definitely feel like I've been a lot calmer since she's been here I think I was very anxious my whole pregnancy and I that went away that that anxiety went away um and now I'm just you know making sure I do right by her and do the best I can for her today is my first daughter's due date oh she's gonna be five and I still look at her like we both do and go like we have a baby (laughs) we're parents yeah it is we're doing that like what what how did that happen she's five so I can tell you I I don't think that that goes no I know I don't think that goes and I still think like surely she's like are we weaning yet are we on to weaning you know you're just I feel like I'm, I'm locked into just that first year and for some reason the days and the weeks and the months and the years have kept going and you're like no I, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that she's here that's mad that is mad because I was like oh it'll sink in you know by the first year but maybe it never sinks in until they're 18 and they're going off to college or whatever and then you're like oh wait okay <laughs> she's not a baby anymore <laughs> she's not a baby anymore but yeah I, I think we just I don't know I, I don't think we'll ever let go of of this the weirdness I suppose around who you become and how you change and the fact that yeah. like we totally catch ourselves sometimes and be like Jesus we're parents and that's that's <laughs> that's a that's the biggest yeah it's a it, you do change I think as a woman as well there's so much change that happens and I'm only seven months into this mm-hmm. and I already feel like I've changed massively you know and you, and you're coming to terms with the fact that it's you know you used to wake up every day and think about what you were going to do or you and your partner were going to but now your whole life is like about this baby and their needs and you know that's your that's your responsibility it's a huge responsibility and so there's some week there's some days I don't get time to shower I don't get time to wash my hair I don't I go to the shops looking like an absolute like wearing clothes that have milk stains on it and I just don't and I've forgotten that I even you know so it's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah you how get much, used to that you get used to I that. know everyone's <laughs> like don't worry about it but it's crazy how much you bec- you you realize how much you thought about yourself yeah as we all do and then how much it changes because instinctually you will put the baby first before mm-hmm. yourself and so um yeah it's it's I'm getting to the point now where I'm trying to also make some time for me and have you know like Ollie got me like a spa day for Mother's Day and you know was like you go so I was able to go and have like a spa day and get a facial and I it was like foreign to me I was like oh my god this is 
you know, to have a few hours not with the baby. It's just, and, and I'm starting to realize it's so important for you, for for you as a as a mom to be to also have time for yourself because I think it makes you a better mom. Totally. Well, I'm hoping it does. Oh, <laughs> I'm hoping it does completely. And look, we all fall into those weeks where, um, you know, we do we put them first and we forget and we you know we erode our needs so far down. Yeah. And yeah, and when I was caught in a cycle of it, when I was breastfeeding the first, I did exclusive breastfeeding for the first three months and that was crazy. And it got to the point where I was forgetting to eat. I was, you know, it just, it got to the point where it wasn't good for me because I got very sick. I got COVID and then I got mastitis and I just wasn't really looking after myself because I was just fully focusing on the baby. Ollie was trying to do all the housework and feed me. And then, you know, so it was just like, we both were just running on empty um, and I got really sick and I realized I was like, I really have to take care of myself as well, mm-hmm. because if I'm not, if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not going to be able to take care of her. So that was a really uh, important turning point for me when I got really sick of realizing, oh, like I let my body get really run down and I need to remember to eat. I need to remember to take my, you know, to just look after myself because I'm no use to her if I'm sick. Mm-hmm. So, and um, that was an important thing that I learned along the way as well. This podcast is just one way that every mom can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. To receive yours, just register now on everymom.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mom. You also had a very big, another big life change very recently. Congratulations on your wonderful wedding. Yeah, we got married a month ago. Newlyweds. It, newlyweds. It's such a different way to be newlyweds, though, because usually I feel like, you know, traditionally you get married and then you have the baby. Um, but obviously, you know, when I found out my conditions, we kind of were like, well, we're just going to have to go. We're just going to go. And then our date moved because of COVID. So, you know, we went on like a mini moon with Lily May, and it definitely was different. It was a different type of holiday than, you know, it's just different, isn't it, when you've got a baby. So um, it's making all these, it's new changes and new things that you have to like get used to when you have a baby. But we're, we're, we're trying to be really conscious of making time for us as a couple as well, especially because we're newlyweds and we're just married and making sure that we have time for just the two of us as well is really important. Well, it looked like such a beautiful day and a beautiful ride and a beautiful ceremony and beautiful music. And yeah, we had a, we had a got with the Dublin Gospel Choir. We had this amazing band called the Event Band. I mean, music was a huge part. I had a bunch of my American co-writers and producers who I've written, you know, slow hands with for Nile or the One Direction stuff. And they came over and they we they they jammed the next day. We had like a Coachella themed festival and they jammed songs we'd written together. And it was just really, it was just really magical weekend. It was, it was everything that we wanted and more. Um, and it was amazing to have Lily May there as our flower girl. So that was really special. And she really played ball. I was like, I don't know how she's gonna do with mm-hmm. all these people. And the, But she was amazing. She didn't make a peep. She was just awake and she was looking around and it was, it was fab. All you could want and more. Yes, definitely. What a wonderful way to end. Thank oh. you so much for joining me on the podcast and sharing 
the, the things that break our hearts and then mend our hearts and then fill our hearts. Um, and that's, that's the reality of it for us to open yeah. ourselves up to this love. Unfortunately, we open ourselves up to a whole lot of pain and grief too. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, the journey of becoming a mom is not easy for anybody. Uh, I don't think anyone has a plain sailing experience. So everyone out there, just remember to just be kind to yourself and be, yeah, look after yourself and take care of yourself and be there for everyone. You know, we're all in this together. It's a, it's a community thing. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for having me on as well. Thank you so much for sharing everything and congratulations again and our love to Lily May. Yay, thank you. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the world's purest baby wipes for their support. Proven to be purer than cotton wool and water, Water Wipes are made with just two ingredients and are 100% biodegradable, plastic-free and compostable wipes. So you can do what's best for your baby's skin and help protect the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest. This is Ruthann on Instagram.